Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Well, Primers, if the last week and a half watching Canada punch their ticket to Qatar and Nothing changed at the top of the table, but Brentford turned the tables on the reigning European champions in a West London stunner that would have put the biggest smile on Danny Dicchio's face if we ever saw him. But I'm happy to see these guys, even if we're all a little down with the energy, because it's it's been a busy week, boys, hasn't it? James Sharman, Craig Forrest, and Jimmy Brennan. How you guys feeling? Emotional. It's just, it's just nuts. There's just so much going on. Premier League's back. TFC game. Went to that, by the way, yesterday. Mr. Social. And, uh, yeah, going to go see Kyle Lowry as well, see how he's uh, making out tonight. All the sporting events, eh? you big <sighs> VIP. That's why you've even changed our recording time for this tonight. Thanks, guys. You guys, are, uh, you just don't know how much I love you guys. <laughs> so, so accommodating. Well, you obviously don't love us that much. Oh, fuck, there's Jimmy. You didn't invite us to go to the TFC game. No. Then you didn't invite us to go to the Raptors game. You don't really invite us to much. Not once, actually. No. I don't, really, I don't really like you that much. <laughs> no, I can see that. And then between you and Sharms, I haven't had a pie in, what, a year? How many times have I told you we do deliver to wherever the hell it is you live? Owen Sound? Would you really? We do. Like, go on the website and order and deliver. It delivers to your house. Oh, that's now you want me business. to pay for it. <laughs> that's the, that's what you I haven't seen you in person, for Christ's sake. Now you want me to pay for your pie. <laughs> There's no free pie, Jimmy. No free pie. <laughs> I've never got a free one. Never. Never. Oh, that's bullshit. I gave you a free pie at Wonga's place before the last time we were there, actually. Good point. Didn't I? I fed you all, you pricks. You're totally right. Well, you didn't feed me. No, you weren't, you weren't part of it at that point. You almost killed us. I mean, I did have fire shits for two days after that free pie. <laughs> You're right. Spicy jerk. <laughs> the pie, not... Not you. Hey, it was spicy. I guess yeah. that was that was the deal, eh? We were just your guinea pigs. That wasn't for resale. You were actually <laughs> yeah, exactly. just trying to figure out, like, is this safe enough to sell to people? Let me test on these dummies. <laughs> How much can a human take? How many uh, ghost peppers can they take? Not very many, apparently. The <laughs> oh. <laughs> ring of Boys. fire pie. <laughs> How much can Thomas Tuchel take? Losing 4-1 at home to Brentford. It's been a, a rough month. Um, whenever the invasion started, it's been a month now, right? 30, 33, 35 days mm. for Thomas Tuchel in Chelsea. And uh, I'm starting to think, boys, that all the uncertainty has seeped its way into that change room. I always say you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it could be, right? They were poor. Very poor. I mean, Brentford, fantastic. And Ericsson getting that goal for home. And he scored two goals over the break for, for Denmark and stepping it up now for his club. Brentford looking safe right now, by the way. I think 11 points up on the uh, the last drop zone. Yeah, they look great. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, you know, I, I wonder if it's just finally just just too much for them. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of speculation about ownership right now. The Ricketts family, by the way, they're just kind of begging to be forgiven for those emails right now. But mm. the fans don't want them at all. There's protests. There were signs in the stands this weekend saying, you know, say no to the Ricketts family. I mean, whoever decides in the end who's going to buy this club, it'd be so it'd be so Premier League to say, yep, we decided the Ricketts family is the best choice, given that the fans don't want them. It'd be so typical, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. But yeah. at the same time, if they if they didn't, let's say they keep them out, I mean, are they going to go through the full you know judgment via Twitter for the other interested parties? Because we look, it looked like the Saudis last year had no chance, right? The royal family had no chance of acquiring a Premier League side. It's interesting that they have morals now. Right. Freaking right. hell. They're quite happy with their last owner. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't know where I don't know where it ends, right? No, I don't either. But yeah, you know, it, I think with a club too, they're going to finish in the top four. They're not going to win the league. They're, I think that that's affecting them as well. In that kind of mushy, mushy area where you're, you're, you're going to finish third. You're not going to finish second or first. Mm-hmm. Right. It's been that like in that mushy middle of the Premier League that you're not going down, you're not going to be in European spots. It's these kind of dog days. Do you think that's what it is? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about dog days, Everton's in a world of hurt. <laughs> Everton are in a world of hurt, buddy. Yeah. I, they I think, are in trouble. I think the Toffees fans would be uh, quite worried uh, having seen that performance this weekend in particular. Actually, great tweet from uh, one of our listeners. I've got it here. Uh, best Weston. Does Frank hate Everton? Does he want them to go down? <laughs> Can you Maybe. imagine? He goes, from, he goes from Chelsea and they just turn it around with Tuchel and then he ends up at Everton and he takes him down for the first time, whatever. Well, I mean, I mean they had special agent Rafa there before, right? Who's intent to bring them down. So he, he got found out. He got canned. And now it's just like oh. another special agent, uh, special agent Frank. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> special agent Francis inherited such a mess. I think Jimmy was on um, was one of Jimmy's first shows, and we were talking about how Frank was really in for that Norwich job. He he wanted it bad. He seemed gutted that they'd gone with Dean Smith, who'd only been out of work for six days instead of him. And we were talking about before, like, well, I think Sharman, you'd ask, you know, did either of them really want it, or is it just the status of it? And I could see totally see why Norwich chose Dean Smith because I thought. They're going to go down, and he's the guy that has a better chance of getting it back up, even if Frank might be able to attract some more players. But now he's walked into Everton, which I think is a worse situation because this is the team with with considerably higher expectations than Norris would have had there. Mm-hmm. And he's got yeah. a mess on his hands I don't think anybody can fix. But is he delusional? Do you see his post-game comments? He says, we have 10 games left, and we keep on in that form, we'll be okay. Mm. He said, we played really well, basically. And you know we lost the game, and... I know they got another red card for the third straight game, so discipline's obviously a problem with that team. But I mean, it seemed, I mean, I, I guess it's coach's job is to pump up your players. But to say yeah. if we keep up in that form, we'll be okay. Like that form, really? You're, you're, no. Away from home, you're appalling. Well, they got Burnley next, don't they? Yeah, where yeah, they do. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's if Burnley wins that one, oof, that, that puts them a point behind. That's they really going to put the pressure on. They that's probably trouble. that's probably the match, isn't it? Really? Yeah, could be. Burnley have the games in hand too, still, right? Even on Everton, I think. So that I mean, maybe it's not. We, we keep talking about the chase to avoid that last 
relegation spot, which which right now is uh, is Watford. But you look at Burnley, they've got two games in hand and they're just a point back of, of Watford. That's really yeah. important, two games in hand, isn't it? It's enormous. Mm. Yeah. That's a team you should be avoiding. Watford played Leeds as well next. Do so they? they could be getting uh-huh. pulled back. Sharms, yeah. do you think rather than being delusional, he's just looking for a bit of empathy, considering, as you said, the Michael King being sent off, that's a third straight match in which they've gone down a man? Yeah, but I mean, I mean I'll ask the former players here, when, when you have a, th- a theme here, three straight games of red cards, mm-hmm. yeah. do you look at the manager? And as far as, okay, you got to get some discipline with your team here. Don't yeah, be silly, don't be it's stupid. it's frustration. It's frustration. Um, when, that, when that happens, you know... The players are obviously frustrated with, with what's going on. Things aren't working for them on the pitch. Um, dress room, there's probably something going on as well. Um, and they're genuinely, genuinely not happy um, because now the press is on top of them. Everybody's talking about Everton. They could be going down. And the pressure starting to mount on the players now as well, and you can see that. Um, this, is a, this is a position that you would never expect Everton to be at in the beginning of the season, would you? No. No. And all of a sudden, now you're coming towards the end. It's panic mode now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they get out of this one. That's a must win for Burnley oh, at that one. Oh, for sure it is. And it's at Burnley as well. And that's not going to be an easy match. No. But if Burnley lose it, they're pretty much toast. Because that would put them, I mean, Everton would be seven points ahead of them. Same games if they lost. Could be the year for Burnley, yeah. A couple of great goals in that game, though. Eh? Cresswell's free kick was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the whole gate volley was really beautiful until you saw that replay, and it just there's a slight deflection there, which ruins. I hate that when you, you see an amazing strike, and then you see the replay. It's like, ah, it just glanced off someone in the midsection. <laughs> or it's like, ah, it's not a great goal after all, even though, come on, it's still a great goal. But isn't that disappointing? No. No, for me, I'd take it, Charms. <laughs> I'd take any goal I could get. I don't care if it comes off someone's ass, their nose, whatever. I'm, I'm claiming it, and I'm celebrating. Hey, someone posted on Twitter last, last week or before your first goal for Forrest. It was a nice goal. That's right, yeah. Did you see it? It probably wasn't hard to find. How many did you score for Forrest? Whatever, Ranker. <laughs> and the worst thing was I, I actually called it and said it. Bottom corner, keeper's left. As I struck it. Were you shouting that out loud? <laughs> Next year, I ended up going to Norwich and Robert, Robert, Gein, Robert Green was the goalkeeper. So he told me that I fluffed it. <laughs> he was probably right. Because I was rubbing it in his face. So the only goal I scored was against you, England International. Have that. <laughs> He's let a few balls slip through his hands, though, as, uh, as we've seen. We won't soon live that down either. But, Sharmas, you got to retweet that. I missed that. There's, uh, yeah, I, I tried to get out. Someone reposted it. It may not have been to us. I think I, I don't know where it was. So I'll, I'll uh, try okay. and find it. But it was a nice goal. It was give you nice team goal actually, and a nice. It was there. just good little build up with Marlon Harewood, right? Little one two. Yeah, that's right. He was a good player, eh? Marlon Harewood. Oh, ridiculous man! West Ham boy. Was he? When was he at West Ham, Craig? He was well after you, wasn't it? it was before he was at Villa. It was the end of the? It was yeah. like 2008 because I think he went to was Villa. Yeah. Was it? yeah, something like that. Yeah. When they played TFC. Yeah, he did. Yeah, no, he was a really good player. Had a couple of great seasons. Yeah, Martin O'Neill was on the broadcast. And what match was I watching? Um, I think it was the later game, and I was kind of surprised to hear his commentary. I guess it was United, and he was talking about Ranić and the extension for for Bruno Fernandez. And I was surprised to hear him be quite critical of of that. Thought you know, as a club, there's just uh, they're 
shopping for a new manager, it's very clear that Ranix just this temporary person. Yes, he's consulting. He'll be involved, whatever. But what if the next manager, what if Bruno's not his guy? You've just committed to this guy. I thought, well, isn't Bruno Fernandez one of those transformational talents? You've seen what he's done at this club. Yep. As a manager, isn't it? I, I just thought it would be unanimous that every manager will want a player like that. But I guess Martin O'Neill doesn't. He's not a problem, is he? That's for sure. And at some point, you can't just not sign players because you haven't got your full-time manager. You do need to plan a little bit for next season. Of course. And for the season after. I mean, that's that's a bit of a stretch. I mean, I understand United, they generally bungle everything, don't they? But I understand why they've gone out and, and cemented that guy for four more years. Absolutely. He was, he was actually very good in the weekend. Yeah, he, he was. didn't get the win, but he was excellent. It was fantastic for Portugal too last week. I just want to finish on Everton, boys, because I'd like to ask you what you think if they are in fact going down. You mentioned they've got Burnley next on Wednesday. So they've got four games in April, four games in May. But these are the fixtures. After Burnley, they're home to United. Then they're home to Leicester. Then they're away to Anfield to end April. Then they're home to Chelsea. Then they're away to Leicester. Then they're home to Brentford and away to Arsenal to end the season on the 22nd. That's Everton. That's Everton. And you got Palace. Palace as well at home. They're going down, aren't they? How the hell did I miss one? They have Palace at home? I think, yep. yeah, Palace has been rescheduled, right? It's one of the oh, excuse me. Okay. Oh, right. ones. Yeah. But regardless, again, there's a tough, tough match. They're down, aren't they? At this point, if you're betting right now, they're going down, aren't they? If you had to put money on it? No, I still think the two games in hand on Wat- Watford are no good. They're not what, very good. What points are they going to get from those eight games, though? The way that they're well, playing, Craig. How many points did Watford going to get is more to the point. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, really, let's, Burnley are pretty much down, but that's a massive match against Everton. But Watford, how many points are they going to get? They're on 22 after 30 games. You know, what are they looking at? Max, 28. You can't dismiss Burnley yet, Craig. I mean, it's, it's Burnley. You can't dismiss them. Every year we think they're going down at some point in the season. At some point yeah. in the season, they're the favorites to go down every single season. And yeah. they always find a way to pull it out at the end, don't they? Well, the trouble with them, they've had too many draws because there's teams, I mean, Brentford have lost 16. They have, Burnley have only lost 13. I say only, but <laughs> they haven't drawn that many. Brentford have picked those wins up, so they're mm. they're safe. I just think if we were to, if you were to find one Watford fan and one Everton supporter and you ask them who's more nervous looking at this fixture list, the Everton fan would wish he was the Watford fan because they don't have any of those big sides with the exception of, pardon me, they have in April, they have City, they're away to City and they're away to Chelsea to end, but they don't have the, you know, the threat and the worry I think that Everton do. So I agree. They have, they have trouble scoring as well, Everton. Yeah, and, they really yeah. do. And I they think if, if it's me, if I'm an Everton fan, I'm in, in total panic mode right now. Total panic well, mode. Well, that's, that's kind and, of... Us. And we keep, we keep talking about games in hands. For me, when it comes to this point of the season, when the games start coming quick and heavy and you've got all these catch-up games, it's, it adds up and it comes quick and the players start feeling it, they're fatigued. I don't think mm-hmm. they're in a good spot, fellas. It's no, interesting. I, I just, you know, you talk about the goal scoring and Richarlison. He's a good player. I know he's a good player, but he's a good chance he's starting for Brazil, right? The World Cup. And yep. people are saying Brazil's by far they should be the favourites of the World Cup. And look at their team, and it's a really good team. Don't get me wrong. Brazil's great. But Richarlison is not as if they have Ronaldinho or Ronaldo or Rivaldo. He's not of that class. But people are jumping on that Brazil bandwagon right now. And I'm watching Everton each week thinking, this guy could be good in a better team, but he misses a lot of chances. 
There's something though about that Silasau. You can see it. The players elevate, and there's a few guys that aren't on big clubs who um, are outstanding when they play for the national team. And you're like, how is this guy, you know, not starting in the Champions League in the the center of every highlight pack? Um, Emerson at Benfica is, is one guy who gets out of the team. I mean, they they're so deep. I think uh, in this last window, I don't even know if he saw the pitch to be honest. But I got so many guys like that, and Richarlison played really well in Common Bowl, and he was great at uh, at Copa too. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of eyes on him. That's true. I think it, he's one of those guys that you know shows best when he's in a really good team and he hasn't had a great team around him at Everton, right? He's often one of those guys too. You see every World Cup who, who plays his trade in Brazil and the global football world doesn't know too much about him, but apparently he's really freaking amazing. And it happens every World Cup, one or two of them in that, that team. They raise their game, like you said, and yeah. then you get a big move to Europe and then sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't work out. Like Gabby Goal. Remember Gabby Goal? All the hype around him. He went to Inter for big money. Kind of became like a Quaresma. He was he was at Benfica as well, and then he went back and he won Copa Libertadores with one of the Rio teams. I forget. Mm-hmm. I forgot about him. You're he's, right. That's a good. That's a good call. He's back maybe, in the national. Maybe team a little player. bit like Canada. Got some under the radar players. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Out. They're going to need it. Yeah. I was going over the uh, teams again, you know, and looking at uh, tier one, tier two, tier three players and. Where does Morocco stand? You know, Belgium's basically tier one right down the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and Morocco's a good team, right? You mentioned Morocco. I mean, Christ, we people are dismissing mm-hmm. them. Like, don't dismiss them. And, and no. what if they what if they they make up with Ziyech and he ends up getting back in the squad, which is possible. Mm-hmm. It's a World Cup year, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's upset with the manager, but they're decent. <laughs> they got and one of the best Bo- fullbacks in the world. And Bono, the keeper, one of their keepers, is born in Montreal. Oh, really? Well, for Haiti, didn't it? So. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. Ziyech getting back in the fold. Yeah, I think I call it World Cup. I mean, that's going to be pretty tempting, isn't it? I know. I, I, I forget the reasons for the falling out, him and the manager, but World Cup years often bridges are built. Yeah, seriously. Mended. If Benzema can get back in the national program setup, I think uh, Hakim Ziyech, with the time that he's had at Ajax in the Champions League and Chelsea having won the Champions League, yeah, I think he might. Want to get back out there in the international shop window or in the international window? You know what I mean? Yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's incredible how the World Cup. You know, you can play three or four really good games and get massive moves. There's something about that. The World Cup just you know that we got sucked in with uh, Javier Margas with Chile when they had a he had a great tournament at the World Cup and it just didn't work. Not so much that he wasn't good enough. He's a great mm-hmm. guy, but he just didn't settle. Language barriers, wife wasn't happy, she couldn't speak to anybody. You know, all these different things come into play. Ended up jumping out a hotel window to avoid Harry and Frank Glampard Sr. <laughs> Hamas Rodriguez, right? Went from good player that you kind of forgot about because no one's watching Monaco unless they're in the Champions League. And then he shined for Colombia, got a big money move to Real Madrid, and that mm-hmm. did him well for four or five seasons as far as the paychecks are concerned. But now he's cashing in. He's in Qatar now. Jordi Cruyff. Carol Poborski mm. got big moves and, and had good careers, don't get me wrong, but didn't quite reach the heights of their European or international endeavors. Yeah. There's a few guys that have had got big moves because of that. Did Memphis Depay move to Manchester United after shining for Holland as well? Mm. Or was he, he was big in the Champions League for PSV? Yeah, I don't think he shone for Holland at that point, I don't think. Not at that point. Yeah. They're a good side too. Any other World Cup thoughts as we've had a weekend to digest? 
That was a good show. I, mean, you know, I, I found, usually I look forward to the Premier League returning, but I kind of missed the international football. I really, I didn't miss a Prem for once in a window. Yeah. Like, there's so much going on. Yeah, me too. That's rare. Yeah. That's rare. Yeah. Because usually the international window is, eh, yeah. well, Canada is usually nowhere near. And then you're just sort of yeah, looking man. at it and not with the interest we do now. Mm. Bloody draw was the most mm. exciting thing I've seen ever. That was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It, it, it was a lot of fun. It was agonizing. Honestly, Premier League day one, and the most fun you've had was the World Cup draw? Seriously? <laughs> Recency bias, bro. Come well, on. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. My short-term memory is uh, very good. <laughs> Get out of the house. <laughs> oh, God. He is. He's leaving for the Raptors game pretty soon. It could be a magical night. Talking about... Canada soccer, you know, the women's team, the men's team, all week long, positive, positive, positive. It was uh, it was the first time, first time in 20 years that I've been broadcasting. It's been that uh, consistent, just day after day. It's been great. Oh, can ask, okay, Craig, are we, as the media, are we getting a little bit ahead of ourselves? Are we getting a little bit carried away? What do you mean? What do you mean getting carried away? Mm, perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I was looking at uh, Alfonso Davies has not played an international match out of a, against a team outside of Concacaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jonathan David, or say Kyle Lyron, he has played. He played a few right out of the gates. I think they uh, they played Colombia a couple times really early on in his career with Canada, but it's been a long time. I think Uzbekistan was probably the last international outside of Concacaf. So. It's a different, it's just a different beast. I mean, you could also argue that CONCACAF is uh, as weak as we've seen it for some time. Costa Rica, not great. Honduras, not great. El Salvador, yeah. no nothing there. Jamaica was, I thought they could be a surprise, but that the whole thing with the English players never really panned out. The pandemic worked out well for Canada too. So you could, you could argue both, you know, as well. I, just, I think that we were allowed to be a little bit, fanboyish the last you know few months that's okay mm. right it's been a long long haul the last number of years decades so we've been allowed to be fanboyish but i think it's time as we prepare for the world cup to lose that hat and really get back to what we're supposed to do and that's look at this team practically and say mm. okay decent team but I, I don't think they're world beaters no i think what they're gonna have to do is play they're gonna have to play their very very best to have a chance and there are some weaknesses in the other teams. Uh, our pace is always going to be dangerous. I think we'll create chances, um, have to take them. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's uh, it's going to be easy, of course. But you know, the quality, I mean, Croatia, I mean, looking through their team as well. I mean, there's some aging players up front kind of, you know, but their midfield is just brilliant. Modric is going to be 37 at the time of the World Cup. But Atiba yeah. Hutchins is going to be 39, maybe 40. I don't know what his birthday is, but... It could be the oldest midfield battle, right? It might be the oldest midfield battle we've seen ever in a World Cup. A Tiber against Modric. <laughs> be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, here's, here's my two cents on that, fellas. We talk about CONCACAF. Yeah, you could say maybe not as strong as what they normally are. Or are we getting stronger and better? Mm-hmm. Because I think the football that we played at, at times was phenomenal. And teams couldn't even come close to us. Because our players are very, very good, and they're playing in some of the top leagues around the world. Mm-hmm. 
Then when we talk about the international football and going into a World Cup or even friendlies, which I'm sure they're going to try to get games against African teams and European teams and to prepare. Well, they're not going to have an awful lot of chances to prepare. That's the thing. Yeah. Like when, when, when is it, when are they going to have time? They're going to have how many days before they break up from the league and the actual tournament starts, but they have to, they've, they've got to play some of these teams. Eight, eight yeah. days. You're not, yeah. what are you going to get in there? Two, maybe, maybe, maybe. two, but and you've got to play them. And then you got your window be- beforehand. Yeah. And other than that, that's it. You got, you got one in June, which is one in, I think it's a nation's league game in there. That's right. Right. So another yeah. CONCACAF opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got one window in Toronto, probably against yeah. an invitation in October. That Nations League could, you could use without it, really, to be honest, and bring yeah. in, you know, play a European African side, something yeah. different. Who knows the state of the world come June? Maybe there won't be a Nations League. If, might uh, not be a world. Might, might not be a world <laughs> yeah. come June. Yeah. Let me see. Go Canada finally qualifies for another World Cup. Yeah. And, and the Putin, blows Putin up. fucks it all up by throwing. Nukes around, yeah. The 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 true victims, Canadian soccer fans. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm, of course. I do fancy. I do fancy us getting out of the group. By the way, and I'm saying it now. We're getting out of that group. There you go, Jimmy. I like the optimism. I, I think there's an okay. opportunity. I'm telling you, uh, opportunity. But I just keep thinking though. Okay, so for that to happen, it means Canada getting a result against Croatia, right? And then the more I think about it the whole thought of Canada getting a result against Croatia at a World Cup is so beyond the realms of what my reality mm. for the last 20, 30 years. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I know you're saying, Jimmy, there's opportunity because they are an Asian team and Morocco's not a world beater and, well, Belgium, let's write that one off, yeah. shall we? Exactly. Those, those are the two teams you're going to get something out, out of. Mm. A win and a draw. Belgium, look, we all know, they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Where they have uh, an advantage, Croatia, too, is that They've got, what is this, their sixth or seventh World Cup? So they've got a lot of experience now uh, in tournament football. Their best result was their first World Cup in 1998 when they finished third. But they've they've got experienced players that have played in the biggest of all games, like also the final. Mm-hmm. The final, exactly. You look at the way the fixtures line up, too. We talked a lot about having Belgium first. And, you know, if that's a hammering at the beginning, okay, get that out of the way. But for Morocco, who are probably looking at the fixture list and saying Canada is where their three points are, right? They would look to that match as being the one that they have to win. I think the pressure's on them to be in that must-win situation on match day three. Whereas for Canada, having already kind of mapped it out that that's the, what they're building to, they're building to that game like a final. I'd much rather be in that situation on Canada's side than be in Morocco's situation who are likely to get battered by the other two and come into that feeling a, a world of hurt uh, and pressure. Not to mention Belgium, first game of the World Cup for them too. Often you see that banana skin, that first game for a good nation. Yeah, they, they, right? build, they, they build, they build, they build, right? How many times have you seen a team not play well? Like Germany was renowned for it. They'd be kind of mm-hmm. average throughout the tournament and then they peak and knock out, right? You get these odd results. Well, just like we're talking about preparing for Canada, it's the same for them. It's, you know, We've seen them come together, Belgium, many times before. And you go, what the hell? Like man to man, you're going, what? Amazing. And then they... They look average. So they're not going to have a lot of time to prepare, mm-hmm. just like Canada. I'm not sure whose advantage that is. It might be ours. I mean, going by our coach, uh, John Herman, with his preparation, he's going to be prepared as, as well as any other manager in this tournament. 
I was thinking about Jimmy saying a lot too that, you know, four points, if you look at it, four points and maybe that one comes against Croatia and thinking about that team. And, you know, initially it was like, yeah, it could, it could happen. I think about that midfield and it's like Modric, Rozovic, Kovacic. Jesus, there's not many better <laughs> midfield trios in the world, right? It's crazy. However, again, with the way it lines up in the fixtures, look at Croatia at the Euros when they played to their level when they had to against Scotland in that last match, remember? And a lot of people thought Scotland had a real chance leading up to that because Croatia had looked horrible. So if you can catch them in that second game where they're still trying to grow into themselves, which I think is possible with a lot of aging teams, mm-hmm. um, it's just going to be exciting, man. I'm just really glad that we're, we have a, a balanced quartet, the four of us here, to look at it realistically. April the 3rd, boys. April the 3rd, and we're already analyzing the hell out of this group. Do you know how much <laughs> we're going to be delving into this group the next few months? It's going to get really boring. Oh, we're going to know all their siblings of the players. We're going to know everything. Yeah, totally. Well, Sharm, since you and Wonga yeah. agreed to make this show uh, almost daily, four times a week, I, I, you should be grateful that we've got something to talk about. We've got to find a Moroccan journalist. You did this to yourself, to ourselves. Yeah, we should find a Moroccan journalist. We shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, no, we'll get a Croatian journalist, a <clears throat> Belgian journalist, and a, and a Moroccan journalist or ex-player. Let's get that You can find them all right here in Canada. Craig, your old teammate, Davo, get him on. Come on. Yeah, I'll work on Davo, Slavin, Igor. You've got enough ex-Croatian teammates. And Jim, Jimmy's got a few, I'm sure, as well. Let's dig up the old, get the old Rolodex out. Absolutely. Or Paul Yusuf Safri. He was the old captain, Moroccan captain. I played with him at Norwich. What a player he was. Yusuf, oh, Safri. Did he really, eh? Yeah. Well, there you go. Unbelievable player. Mm. Crazy. Like, really nice guy, but he just had it in his eyes where he just go, if you mess with this guy, he's going to switch and he'll pull your head off and hand it to you. <laughs> so he, people kind of left him alone. You'd banter a little bit with him, and if he didn't laugh, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you just kind of walk out of the room. <laughs> Waiting for the red mist. Yeah. Jimmy, before we started doing this show together, that's how I felt about being around you. I thought, oh, yeah, Jimmy likes me, and then I'd say something really stupid, and you'd give me this look. I'm like, he's going to kill me. Yeah, that's that's a look that just goes, what the fuck did you just say? Yeah, I mean, which is a look I've got my whole life, but it's different when it comes from someone like you. You know, it just, it, there was more weight to it. That. Um, who was the Moroccan defender that played at TFC? Were you on the coaching staff then, Jimmy? I don't think you played with him. It was a few seasons in, and he played in the Serie A or something. He was Moroccan. At TFC? One of the listeners will tell us. He was at TFC, yeah. This is like season five, maybe four or five. Long there's before a, the there's a goalkeeper coach, uh, Joseph. I uh, can't remember his last name from Montreal. Impact, and then he moved to uh, Vancouver, I believe, with Los Angeles. A B, Ahmed Kantari. That's it. What season was that? That was uh, one second here. I did Google it. It's not coming out of my my, my own personal. No, you, did, you didn't pull that uh, out of your TFC, ass. He was there 2015-16. Uh, oh, wow. Way later. So maybe yeah, 16 what, caps the was on. 16 caps. He, hey, Forrest. He's at, you know what? He's an assistant coach at Forrest in 2020. Really? All right, Jimmy. So that's your ch- – got a chase. Forrest well, we has played get, chase. Uh, got to get Richie on it. Richie's not playing. He might as well be a spy. No surprise though he's not on the bench this weekend, right? Given that he played on Wednesday, of course not. Yeah, Just turned course, up right? on Friday. Well, and he yeah. hasn't been making the bench regularly either, so it's not like it's yeah, no surprise. I think he, I still think he's going to get his chance. I think he is too. I think yeah. he played him you know, really well. And again, forget what's going on there. They also got another 
quarter of a season before the World Cup, things are going to change in the offseason, we would expect. Mm-hmm. They've got a very good chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, that Mike, looks really good. Big win this weekend away. Premier League. Yeah. they got a good squad, good chance to get up. Did you get to see that match this weekend? I watched a bit of it. That they won, what was the score in the end? 4-1 away Four to Blackpool? 4-1 at Blackpool. On the road, yeah. They had a lot of lot of traveling fans went up with them as well. For sure. Yeah, they're they travel well. Supported. Exciting times around Forest. Yeah, seriously. Just need to get Richie in there now, lighten it up. Yeah. yeah. Would love like to I see said, that. He's got a lot of time and then come the World Cup, if he can put in performances like he has in uh, qualifying, he's he'll be looked at, especially if he's not playing by then with Forest. Yeah. Just one or two things I want to touch on the Premier League and see if you guys have anything to say before we get to MLS and we can begin our 10-minute goodbyes with Forrest. Did you watch United and Leicester? 1-1, the late one on Saturday? A lot of United fans feeling really uh, frustrated, which is nothing new. Why the hell was Madison's goal ruled off? Like, was Veron, was that really worth calling the goal back on? I didn't think so. No, really harsh. I mean, Veron, he goes, his leg kind of hooked there, but... Come on, come on! After a great celebration to the the corner flag, you know that should count for something, shouldn't it? If it's like a borderline call for VAR, but there's a great celebration, I think you give you give a little bit of weight to that, or give him point five. Yeah, half a half a point. So half a point and yeah. half up. <laughs> yeah, let's have, let's have half goals in, yeah. in football. That's a great idea to improve the game. <laughs> but, you, only, but, you, but you take a half a goal off if he has a good celebration, yeah. and then they, Fuck, yeah. we lost that game by half a goal. Yeah, because <laughs> your celebration wasn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Think about how many potential fans on this side of the pond we've lost because of aggregate in the Champions League and away goals, and yet Charmy <laughs> wants to introduce half goals. No, no, Jimmy does. <laughs> it wasn't my idea. It's Jimmy's idea. <laughs> Talking about the factors, though, that influence a decision, right? Like the time of the match, the certain ground, maybe where they are in a in a in a hunt in a playoff race. That should that should come into effect. So, uh, I agree that celebration should be one of them. If the celebration is outstanding, you got to think: is it really worth overturning? That was an outstanding celebration. Yeah, this game needs more subjectivity. I think. You know, <laughs> I agree with that fully. Yeah, a thousand yeah, percent. That's what we need. I tell you, United were lucky to get even a point there because uh, Ian Acho missed a couple of chances. He had one that was not quite a sitter, but he's probably putting away nine times out of ten. He did get on the score sheet, and uh, what was only three minutes later, Fred tied it up. So Spain's number two, though. He's pretty good, isn't he? The pretty decent yeah. midi. Yeah. Huge save in that game. Yeah, incredible. He is, he is decent. You're right. He's the busiest of- goalkeeper at the you know at the biggest clubs in England. He's the definitely the busiest goalkeeper this season. Who's the quietest? It's got to be Edison, right? Ederson's got to be the quietest. Yeah. Yeah. Ederson and Alice. He, he can make that, that big save. Obviously, it's fantastic, but it's, you don't often see him make that big save because he's, they never, they always have the ball. Yeah. Like, when was the last time you remember him? No. no. Allison, you do, right? Allison, you can picture, you know, even this weekend, made some big saves. Yeah. You know, you see Lloris makes some big saves, you know, frequently. Um, Ramsdale, mm-hmm. obviously, frequently. Mendy's fantastic. Ederson? Mm-hmm. He just kicks mm-hmm. the ball. Like, he kicks it 15 yards to the side. That's what he does. That's, that's his or job. Or 80. Whatever or, he wants. Yeah. Or 80 onto, onto the toe <laughs> of his striker. Yeah. There's not too many countries ever, though, that have had two star number one goalkeepers like that at the same time, though. Right? And Ederson is kind of Chi-Chi's favorite 
Um, Allison got it in the squad first, but if they got to a situation, I wonder if they got to penalties in an elimination uh, round, if Ederson would start the match and then Allison would come in for the pens. Because Allison's more of a shot. Allison's starting more games, isn't he? Isn't, doesn't Allison start more games for Brazil? He hadn't uh, in this in this common ball run. I think he had a couple when uh, Ederson had COVID. I didn't think he was getting. I didn't think I th- he was putting Ederson Allison on the was, bench. I thought Allison was starting more games. Maybe okay. I don't know. I thought it switched. Allison had started uh, at the last World Cup, mm-hmm. but I thought they'd switched and Ederson had taken. See, well, after we do our, our deep dive into Morocco, we'll, we'll turn our deep attention to Brazil. The um, <laughs> By the time the World Cup comes around, we'll know who Brazil's number one is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And There's, the only time I think Canada's going to play them is if they got to the final anyway, isn't it? I don't know, but I mean. <laughs> yeah, the way the yeah. bracket works. I tell you, though, I, I still thinking about uh, Forrest. We were together watching that, and it looked as though, you know, when that, they pulled Ghana out of the pot, I thought, oh, my God, Canada's in Group H. Canada's going to play Portugal. And I was I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe, you know, my luck that that was uh, that was going to happen, and now it's not, of course, because after they get out of Group F, they got to face Germany and Spain out of Group E. But he didn't want to see that. Let's keep doing mock draws just for the fun of it. We'll do that on this on this just in the weekend recap. Uh, Spurs five, Newcastle one. The international break could have totally derailed Spurs' momentum, but uh, clearly didn't. I think the biggest surprise though is that Harry Kane didn't get on the score sheet in that. Three goals in um, in 16 minutes in the second half there. Yeah. Newcastle, they did, they couldn't cope with Kane, Son, and Kulisevsky. Uh, they dropped back so far. Conte's got a really good thing going. And they just keep bagging goals. The highest-scoring team in 2022, 30 goals in 13 games. Yeah, they looked uh, dynamite, absolutely dynamite going forward. Newcastle is going to be okay, but uh, they're a long way away from that, aren't they? But I think Spurs are still... You know they're just they're running out of time as far as far as getting it up into the top four and finishing there. Arsenal is gonna yeah the game's in hand for Arsenal right they're, they're huge. Now Arsenal's playing tomorrow right yeah. I would yeah, love to be uh, I would love to have been in that Newcastle dressing room. You score the first goal right you think okay away from home one nil up then obviously they score a few minutes later. You get in at halftime. That's it boys we got them where we want them one one keep at it. Another 45 minutes, you go into that dressing room, 5 1, you've lost. <laughs> what did you say? That's when, you, that's when you're just like really quiet. You kind of try to hide behind a pole if there's one. <laughs> it was going according to plan for the first yeah. 45. I remember Harry Redknapp losing his mind. We're, we're actually playing at Southampton. I can't remember the score, but we got battered. And uh, he was going on. Mark Vivian Foe was. Uh, just signed not re- not far before that, I think. He didn't speak a word of English. Harry's going crazy. John Moncur. Well, I went to the – they put sandwiches in the dressing room all the time, right? So after the game, you come in, and usually on the treatment bench, there's a couple plates of sandwiches, you know, the old quarter sandwiches that you find everywhere in England. <laughs> a little <laughs> yeah. bit of maybe a ham sandwich, like white bread and one piece of ham or something. You know? <laughs> no crust? Yeah, he's at no crust. So awful. Harry's going crazy. I get up and I grab a sandwich and I sit down and I'm eating it. He doesn't say anything. Then Moncur does the same thing. He turns to me and he said, Monks, this isn't a fucking picnic. Monks goes, oh, I wasn't even fucking playing. You're digging me out. So he fucking turns and he wallops his plate of sandwiches just overhanging the treatment bench. 
and the sandwiches go flying. They're everywhere, like fucking confetti. And I look over, and Mark Vivian Fove's got a tuna sandwich sitting right on top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of the meeting. Harry and Dick Monks just went at it like, you fucking, why you fucking? Oh, it's unbelievable. Digging <laughs> me out, I didn't even put it. The halftime, the halftime stuff in full-time, some of the things that happen in dress rooms are amazing. I remember I was at Norwich, and we're going for promotion, and we're away to Sunderland. And uh, I think we're a couple of points off of, of winning the league, right? And uh, first half, we were just horrendous, terrible. And we came in at half and you're sitting down. They got the tea and they've got everything, like Greg said. They've got all this stuff all lined up. But what, they, what the kit men use is picture these big kind of, they look like huge metal suitcases that they put all the boots in, okay? And that's how they, they travel with all the boots. The boots go into these two big skips, Great. Yeah. So one was empty, and the other one was all kind of your your second boots that you use. You had your match boots; they all came out first. Your second boots were still in these this metal skip. Nigel Worthington comes in and he's losing it, and he's picking all these players apart. You're shit. This is terrible. Ba ba ba. He's that frustrated that he turns around and he volleys the skip. Now he obviously thinks it's empty and it's going to slide across the the floor. Well, it doesn't. He hits it, and it was like hitting a brick wall. And as his foot goes forward, as fast as it went forward, as fast as it went back, <laughs> he started hobbling around. And we're all trying to get our heads down, and everybody's going, oh, my God, he's just broke his foot. He's broke his foot. And everybody's trying not to laugh because he's so wound up, and he's a pale, pale man. So when he gets fired up, he was red. Right? The face was red. The red mist was coming. Well, the next day at training <laughs> – He's got his foot all wrapped up. He broke his big toe. <laughs> D-Ro tells a story in the book about kicking the Gatorade jug at halftime in the Canadian Championship. I think it was after Vancouver, before they went to, to Montreal, that miracle in Montreal. Um, pardon my ignorance, Jimmy. You weren't in that match, were you? The miracle in Montreal? Yeah. The one where, where I lifted the, the trophy up? Oh, God. <laughs> I can't remember the photo up. My apologies. <laughs> and all the white caps are in the fan and the stands yeah. right in the, the arm band. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're all eating hot dogs all game and the goals are going in one after <laughs> I did I did start that with part of my ignorance. I didn't remember the photo up, but I do remember some of the, some of the stories from there, of course. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Clip that one, B. That's brilliant. Yeah. This is why I was afraid of Jimmy. I need to go back to before, but now now we're teammates. Well, my point in that match was oh, just zero. The, the game before zero the, with the Gatorade, yeah, kicking the Gatorade, and he'd said that when he'd sat down before going back out for the second half, he'd thought he'd broken his toe. He thought, I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> how I'm gonna walk it, get out of this. I was there when he'd done it. I started laughing. I thought he did break it. Harry Redknapp <laughs> bo- uh, booted a Gatorade bottle, but it was it just one of the small ones, you know, the single bottles. Yeah, and uh, it was. It looked empty too. I mean, not that it was going to hurt even, you know, but there was about a third left in the bottom of this. This is at Anfield. <laughs> and uh, Richard Hall, I remember uh, he was out injured, but he just came along for the trip because he'd been out for so long. And he was standing next to the bathroom door with his arms behind his back, leaning up against the wall. And Harry's going crazy. And he just absolutely volleys this Gatorade bottle on the ground. And of course, <laughs> hits Richard flush in the face. Right in the right in the uh, right above the eye, 
and opens them up. And it just literally right away, there's blood coming down. He's standing there, tough as nails, Richard. Anyway, he's just doing there and he's looking at Harry and Harry. Oh, fuck. So, sorry. Sorry, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> he just did a little turn, went right into the treatment room, goes in to see the physio. And he's like, what the fuck happened to you? You know, fucking in a suit. <laughs> he needed a stitch. <laughs> That's like Beckham Fergie part two. Yeah. Yeah. Harry felt bad about that. <laughs> it's just. There's some funny managers though, at halftime when they're losing it. Yeah, yeah. And then the players. And sometimes when the players go crazy, the manager just basically sits, has a cup of tea, and just lets them, like, you know, when DeCanio goes crazy. With the tea above it, with the big urn. <laughs> Throwing throw it across the dressing room. I would have liked to have seen John Carver in uh, at halftime in that second season, Jimmy. I'm sure there were some good ones. Oh, there were some good ones. He was a beauty. When he got going, oh, it was amazing. He was, a, he was a good coach. Yeah. I liked him. He was very good. He's with Scotland now, assistant manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's he might not be teams. a good number one, perhaps. You know, you get a lot of guys like that. They're really good coaches, and they <laughs> suit being number two. Because I think John uh, Carver was, uh, you know, watching social media, too, and getting in, you know, yeah, the, the forums. He got into the forums. Yeah. Way, like, way too much there, yeah. Cause he was, way too much. Yeah, good football man, right? People like John Carver. Yeah, yeah. No, he was a, he was a good guy, and that that was that was his big problem too. You're right. He he started getting onto the forums and listened to all the nonsense that was going on, and and affected him. Got got to him in the end, and yeah. you can't, you know, as a footballer or as a manager, you, you've got to stay away from it. And look, everybody. Wasn't the referees to, right, Jimmy? What's that? Wasn't it the referees too? He, he couldn't handle the refereeing in MLS. Yeah, the refs. He, he was going losing nuts. it with the refs, and I remember sitting down with him because I used to talk to him, you know, every every morning. Me, uh, Deech, uh, Carl Robinson. You know, we had a we had a group of older guys who would sit down, you know, before training, just have a quick conversation with him. And he, he actually said one day, he goes like, "Look, the I can't take this the, the press and this and that." And he opened up a little bit, but he was a great, great manager, great guy, lovely fella. Like, I mean, awesome. Um, and his training sessions were very well. He was good on the good on the pitch. But it got to him. I remember, I remember people telling him, like, you, you've got to stop listening to all this stuff. Because as a footballer in any any sport, you, it's got to be water off a duck's back because everybody's got their own opinion. And if you start worrying about other people's opinions, then it affects you and affects your game. Right? And it's, it's mm-hmm. difficult as well, trying to stay away from it all and not read it um, because there's always somebody there trying to bring you down. Um, yeah, and it, it got the got the better of him at times. That's for sure. We had that, we had that occasion when Bobby Robson left Ipswich. Um, Bobby Ferguson, his right hand man, came in, and uh, an excellent coach. But boy, when the pressure was on him, he he couldn't handle it. He could not handle being the number one. He had press guys up against the wall, up fingers up their hooter, the whole deal, like absolutely losing his freaking mind. He was from the northeast as well. Another Geordie. Yeah. I remember when Sir Bobby Robson died, actually. John Carver, Bobby Robson uh, story. When, when, when Sir Bobby died, I interviewed John Carver, who obviously revered him from being that, from that part of the world. And uh, he was so emotional. Chris Cummins, too, actually. But um, uh, Carver was so emotional. Like, you could see the, uh, he's welling up, you know. It's such a profound mm-hmm. moment for him because, you know, the, the great Sir Bobby had died. And, yeah, yeah. that's a tough one. Yeah, he was a good guy too. Great guy to talk about football. Loved a bird. Didn't he try and steal your ex? Oh yeah, 
He was all over Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he came over to, he goes, oh, he, he came over to chat to me. It kind of like, but it was like, he didn't have, he, if I was sitting there by himself, I don't think he'd have come over, but he gave me about 10 <laughs> seconds and then gave it a, oh, hello, love. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> and Sophie was like, oh, he's so lovely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Legendary footballers trying to steal our bird stories. You know, B's got some classics there with the Portuguese uh, national team and uh, Craig's got <laughs> the Bobby Robson. Wasn't the national team. I would have, sorry. That would have affected my whole <laughs> fandom for sure. But yeah, David Luiz, he's dead to me forever. Um, she didn't go home with him. She went home with me, but I still hate David Luiz. She had no choice. Thinking he had a chance. <laughs> she, she, had to get, she probably had to get on a plane. He looks at B like up and down like, you're with her? <laughs> All right, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I thought it was so cool in my broken Portuguese. We were in the booth with them, Jimmy. It was yeah. great. And she says, uh, that guy over there um, just invited us to the hotel. I'm like, oh, amazing. We're going to go party with these guys. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, invited you to the hotel. You and your friend, the girl. Oh, oh, this just changed completely. But, <laughs> yeah. So you're you're going. Say, Let's, we're out of here. Get in the car now. <laughs> was, it, was it Nuno Gomes? Nuno Gomes was in there, yes, but he wasn't one flirting with her. It was uh, okay. this this guy who's coaching now, Cesar Pejotu. He was the he was the one that his sly move was. She's like, I'm I'm gonna go fill up our drinks. Just keep an eye on me while I go and sit next to this guy. I'm like, okay. So I'm talking to someone and I can see him slide in and he says in broken English uh, that he's never slept with a woman that uh, has her ethnic background. <laughs> to which she said, well, you're not going to tonight. Cheers them with the champagne and walked away yeah. with the two of them. To I've me. got the ball and chain with me. <laughs> did she really say that? Or did she say, I would love to, but I can't because this guy's watching me right now. And I gotta go back over there. You didn't hear the conversation. Did yeah, you? You're only guessing what the conversation was. She told you that was a conversation, but that was not the conversation. Yeah. Maybe if we can get him drunk and get him to bed, maybe I got a chance. <laughs> God, I've never thought about this this way before. Thanks, guys. I'm really glad that I can relive that moment in my life. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, boys, I, I, I got to head out. All right. I got a jam. But, Get um, out of here. I'll leave you to finish off the podcast. It's 50 what? minutes already. I mean, so much for these 45 minute podcasts. <laughs> I honestly, when we got to the 25 minute mark, I thought we were going to hit MLS and wrap this up. But I love yeah, the I stories. Know. It's, it's a good show. It's a good show today. Yeah, I love the I like stories. It. So, okay. So I got a jam, but thank you, fellas. Yeah, we'll talk about what we really think about you now. Thank you, Charms. Well, you're welcome, Craig. You're Thanks welcome. for making time. We'll reconvene uh, tomorrow in the dark web. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye, Charms. James Sherman out, but we got to hit MLS. Uh, a lot of TFC talk. Um, me forgetting how long Jimmy actually played. Um, this team played pretty well the other day, though. Pretty well on Saturday to beat the champions, Jimmy. 2-1. No, they did. They looked good. Yeah, they looked good. Started off a little bit slow, but then once once they got going, I thought I thought they were the better side. Um, you know, once once TFC scored, it kind of... I thought New York were the better side early on until they scored. Oh, yeah, to start, but until we scored. when Once we scored, it changed everything. Yeah, and then that's yeah. when we started to control a little bit. How about friend of the show, Jonathan Azorio? What a pass to set up Jesus Jimenez that oh, opening goal. He got a great reception too when he came off. That was a highlight of the day for me. Yeah, that was nice to see the fans appreciating him. Um, conceding late was a disappointment, I know, for the goalkeeper uh, crew. But uh, 
freaking defenders just to keep coming, sitting deeper and deeper. I was like, Jimmy, I'd been like, get out, get out. But they yeah. just kept sitting deeper and deeper. So when that cross comes in, instead of being headed from 12 yards out, it's headed from six yards out. It doesn't give them nearly the chance. So, yeah, you're right. You know, they would have liked that clean sheet, but. Nevertheless, three points, very well done. Yeah, I think back a highlight for a lot of a lot of fans who may not have realized it when they were at the ground, didn't realize it till they saw TFC's Instagram later that Ronaldinho was at the match, out there swapping shirts with Duane Di Rosario. Yeah, I didn't I even know of- he was in the stadium. No idea. The game from the other side <laughs> of the press box. Sat on the east side for the first time. Waiting. Yeah, crazy. What do you Just think? Totally different feel. Totally different feel to it completely. It was like watching the reverse angle the whole game. I liked it. And what do you think made it so different? The fact that you could look into the dugout? Did you just you know focus on more on the right-sided players for the first time in a while? What, what was it? No, just the fact that, you know, I've seen, oh, my God, dozens and dozens of them. And you know, seats on that side, press side, boxes on that side, press box, you name it, rooms up top. Up everywhere, but never ever from the other side. After uh, they put the extension, obviously the stands and all the boxes over there too. It's a it's a nice setup. That stadium's really really does look really tidy compared to what it was in day one. You know, when you look at the tin can and yeah. the bolts were falling off the off the rails up top, and fans were getting hit. Right. And yeah, it's crazy. But it's a it's proper now. It's really, no, really it's a great stadium. Mm-hmm. They've built it into a really good ground. Yeah, I love it. Um, Vancouver with a win as well. First one of the season. Lone goal from Ryan Raposo. Vancouver, I think, has got a, a good team that they're building. They've got, uh, they host Portland next weekend and they visit Montreal on, on Easter Saturday. I think that'll be a real test for Vancouver. Be a good one because Montreal mm-hmm. looked pretty good themselves. They also won 4 3 away to Cincinnati. Since he mm-hmm. opened the scoring, was talking with Jimmy Ishmael. Coney looked pretty good, looked pretty confident from what I saw. He was taking big shots from outside the box, and he was linking up really well. I think playing next to Victor Wanyama is going to be a real boost for the guy. Wanyama had a big game, too. Set up Kai Kamara, who's scored for nine MLS teams now. 131 MLS goals. Like, MLS legend, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always liked Kai Kamara. Yeah. 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 Got some longevity, that's for sure. TFC fans, I think, uh, might hate him for some of the big goals he scored against them. But I think uh, Kai Kamara seems like the player has always had a lot of respect from uh, opposing MLS fans, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it was good. It was good for Montreal and, and Vancouver both getting getting their first set. That's their first wins of the season for both of them, right? Was it What's for Vancouver for both sure? Them, yeah. What's for Montreal as well? And Montreal yeah. as well, yeah. First wins of the season, so good. Good for them. Get themselves on the board and hopefully they can continue that because you look you you want to see the canadian teams do well you know it's been frustrating out in vancouver for a while to be fair yeah. that was hard for me to say there by the way there's only really one team i want to see do well but <laughs> i've got to i've got to give some respect i'm the same the white caps you know the white caps are my <laughs> boyhood team and this is how we're balanced. And then Wonger's the big CF Montreal backer, you know, yeah, because you Wonger can, takes you can, Montreal. I take Toronto. You take uh, Vancouver. Club foot. And B, you come, you come with me with TFC, man. Of course, buddy. I'm, I've been a season ticket holder uh, since, uh, well, but not the first season. I think season two. Season one, I made the mistake of buying the ticket package for the under 20 World Cup instead of the season tickets. 
I had a bunch of buddies that had tickets in the South End. It was the same price. And I thought, oh, I want to see the, wor- the World Cup. I'll just go out with you guys you know, a few times. And I was there every match. Season they one. gave me season tickets for the first couple of years because I was part of the advisory committee before they signed even Jimmy. Huh? Would you wouldn't have advised them to sign Jimmy? They let you go before we came to player personnel. Yeah, I told them not to sign him. <laughs> so I then quit. He gave, then he gave his season tickets back. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 like after year two, they're like we're selling out every game. We don't need this advisory committee anymore. You have to buy them now. Last Montreal point I want to make. Um, Jordy Mihailovic scored a brace. Um, he's he's a good player. When I see him play, he's only got six caps for the States. And all this talk about uh, Ricardo Pepe and Josh Sargent, and oh, maybe they don't need a real number nine. Like He's a good player. He keeps this up this season. I, I think you know what's uh, unfortunate for him, perhaps, and I'm just speculating, but I don't think they see him down there. He's playing in Montreal, bagging these goals, and I don't think you know he's getting the attention that these other American forwards do get. That's why he's forgotten about. That's a that's a point, actually. You know, it's not a bad point. You see that in uh, a lot of things, even the NBA. You know, with the Toronto Raptors, they don't get the exposure down in the states as uh, the other teams do. So sometimes in the All Star voting, they can be left behind. And on the other hand, when you get the whole can- uh, all of Canada supporting Toronto Raptors, they they can also do well with the the voting that way because they're very well followed. I went to the I went to the the OVO center where the Raptors train yesterday and uh wow wow what a different world that place is unbelievable everything all the weight machines they're built for 7 foot 2 guys everything's large the dumbbells the grips on them are huge like it's just they had hot tubs cold baths uh, machines that you do training under. What were you doing? Were you in the showers? I was in the showers. I was trying. I was trying everything out. <laughs> hey, Fred, what's going on? <laughs> he was cleaning them. This is his new part-time job. Just... Yeah, there was nobody there. There was a there was a couple of staff guys upstairs, and I I was like, like they don't leave the place. You can drive in underground, take the elevator up. Right, do your training, do whatever. The place is like a, you know, you got your cooks and your like this unbelievable food that they serve up there. The guys don't leave. Some of them will actually go there and just hang out. Mm. Then they go down the elevator, get in your car, drive wherever they leave, go or live and go underground and back to the condo, garage yeah. to garage life. Yeah. yeah, they've got light therapy in there, like beds and everything. It's unbelievable. It's just tens and millions of dollars of money spent. <laughs> Like if you're a player, Jimmy, and you went in there and you were there talking about signing, if they were an English, like a football club, and you had a facility like that, holy man. Mm. You got all the medical staff on one side of the place, all the coaching staff on the other side, but they come up to the medical staff side. So there's kind of this zone where it's all, you know, uh, away from the coaches. So it's, it's kind of neutral for the players, kind of a nice area, that kind of way. The pressures are really on the other side where the coaches are. Um, just cool. so well thought about. So well thought about. So professional. I was blown away when I went on a couple of stadium tours the first time I went to England. I went to Stamford Bridge and I went to Old Trafford. And the change rooms and the treatment table that they showed you at least looked nothing like what I'd seen in North America. 
And I couldn't believe it. And at Chelsea, they're like, oh, I just got these two new baths. And literally, it was just two baths. The equivalent of like what normal size hot tub that I would think split into two. And this was their big key feature that they were celebrating. It looked like I've played men's league hockey in better change rooms than I saw at a couple of grounds. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. No, I know. It's surprising, isn't it? I think St. James's Park was the only one that to me looked like, and anyone who's ever seen any press conference video or any of the behind the scenes stuff that the Raptors or the Leafs do online, the video, the change room at Newcastle looked like that, but the other ones don't. And the, the Manchester United one just looks like a, like a room. If the, the, the lockers are hidden into the walls and it just looks like a, a repurposed room. Couldn't imagine Fergie swearing and you know riling up the team in that room but you you got to keep in mind too those you're, you're talking about clubs that are you know hundreds of years old and yeah those grounds have been around for a long long time and yeah, yeah. You know? i mean st james's i mean i played there when that that stat that new stand went up just went up yeah. so that place has changed a lot it was all standing behind the uh it's a great stadium ends. to play in st james yeah it is wicked yeah yeah Atmosphere is amazing. Amazing. Loved it. That was my first Premier League match. I saw the Tyneware Derby there. Geordie Shores. Yeah. That was the peak of Geordie Shore. That was my introduction to England. Spent yeah. uh, three nights at Taiga Taiga. What a time. <laughs> what a time. Did you take your girlfriend? No. She was the ex by that point and it had nothing to do with football. Oh, she was back in Portugal. Back in Portugal. Single. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see the Champions League back in Portugal, the quarterfinal stage, eh? Uh, We've got that to look forward to this week. On Tuesday, Benfica hosts Liverpool. Man City's got Atletico. Then Wednesday, Chelsea hosts Real Madrid. That's what Chelsea Chelsea are thinking about. Yeah. 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 They got their their mind ahead. So you're not worried for them on Wednesday then? Because I think Real Madrid right now, despite getting their clocks cleaned by Barcelona, I think Real Madrid are in a better spot than Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd be worried. You're always going to be worried when you're playing Real Madrid anyway. But Of course you are. Yeah. They won away at the weekend. Real beat uh, Celta Vigo 2-1. Two penalties yeah. from Karim Benzema. No Carlo Ancelotti. He's got COVID. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that means he's not making the trip Wednesday, but he wasn't there in uh, Vigo for this. Mm, touching go. Match. So, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. All, right. All right. Well, let's put a bow on this, and uh, we got to figure out what the hell we're doing the rest of the week. But for those of you footy primers that keep up with us, four shows per week, God, we love you. Thanks for listening. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.